And uh, just in case you are a visitor, I'm looking around, I can't see faces maybe that I haven't seen before. You're visiting? Marcus, you've been before. I know you've been before. Anyway, we've got a lovely lady at the back there. She will direct you to any facilities that you may need. Toilets are kind of over there, around the corner, through those doors. Uh, my name is Anne, Anne Forder. I'm, I've been a member of the fellowship now since uh, 1991. It's quite a long time. Anyway, it's really lovely. It's always great to stand up here and be able to look out and see everybody's faces. It's a, it's a great position. It's a great position. Well, this morning we have Ben uh, is going to bring a message to us on love your neighbour and your enemies. I thought that was quite challenging, actually, as well, when I looked, did a little bit of looking about. I thought, I, don't, I haven't actually gotten many enemies, really. Most of us living in Solihull haven't got a physical enemy that we could go... They're the enemy. But it, it, a little bit of that I looked at, I saw that sometimes even when I'm angry with people that I know well, maybe even people I live with, actually, if I hold that anger and I'm unkind towards them, actually, they're my enemy at that moment. You know, before God, and I need to get myself right and look at what I'm doing. But I'm sure Ben is going to bring that out for us and uh, really help us to move through that area of um, what our enemies are in Soli Hole. Big challenge. So yesterday was an amazing day for some of us. Those who went to Trumpet Court, could you just stand up for me? Stand up. Yeah, great. Now, we had the most... There were about 15 of us. I was just going to say, if you weren't there... Ask one of these people what was special to them, because it was a fantastic, fantastic event. It really, really was. And for me, I have always loved the gospel. I have loved to share the message. And we were really challenged yesterday to make sure that we don't share a soft gospel. And sometimes that's what's happened in recent years. We've ended up sharing a soft message, you know, and we don't actually tell people unless they know the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour and they are washed in his blood for the forgiveness of their sins, they will go to hell. And that is the gospel. I mean, it, it sounds really, really hard. Paul wrote, the wrath of God, he wrote this to the Romans, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. He went on to say, For all have sinned, and all fall short of the glory of God. If we trust in him, we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came from Christ Jesus. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement. Through faith in his blood, he did this to demonstrate his justice, because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it not to demonstrate his justice at the present time, so as to be just, and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. You know, we can't get to heaven by being good, or by being nice. You know, nice people sadly will go to hell. And we really, really have to look and f 
freshly consider how we share the message of hope that we have in Jesus. And when we sell it short and we don't give the whole message, we're depriving somebody of the opportunity. In fact, R.T. Kendall, who was there, he said the decline in church membership, he thought, was directly related to the fact that we don't talk about hell. We don't talk about hell. So I just want to just very quickly say, Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, will you set something on fire in us today? Will you pour out your Holy Spirit and give each and every one of us a fresh verve, a fresh enthusiasm to be able to preach your word unashamedly, unashamedly. This is God's word. It's not Anne Forder's word. It's not Karen Burns or Alison Forshaw or Ben Lee's. It's God's word. That's what he said. If you want to go to heaven and you have people you love who you would love to see there, they need to know the truth. So I pray that he's going to open your mouths in a new way by the power of his Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. But do talk to us. Do talk to those who are at the trumpet call. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, <clears throat> it's been brought to my attention that very sadly, Sonny's mother died about 10 days ago. And I would really earnestly ask you to pray for the family because, um, as you know, they were from a Sikh tradition and there's a real struggle for them within the family to be able to honour Jesus and to hold fast to the truth that they know and the rest of the family looking and seeing, well, they aren't doing the things that we should do as, as Sikhs. So, Lord Jesus Christ, we just pray that you will strengthen them. Would you be their strong right arm? Would you be their comforter? Would you pour out your Holy Spirit afresh on Sonny and Kay and all their little family, Lord? Would you be their strong right arm? And give them the grace and the confidence to be able to share their hope and their reason for being. Keep them in your thoughts and prayers, please. Ben, you have a message. Oh, surprised him. Mind that he's put into seeking you, listening to you, that you could share your word, your truth with us to edify us and build us up to become more like you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Put my slides on, uh, Michael. That'd be great. Get that working like that. We get there in the end. Good morning, church. We're doing a series. Um, Actually, can I just uh, uh, steal a second? Um, We've got our evening service tonight, and we're going to really focus on the Holy Spirit. And um, I want to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit 
in our lives. The evening service, we focus more on worship and prayer, but I want to give a context for that prayer that we want to pray into. Holy Spirit, um, it's more than the gifts. Yeah, he's the helper. He convicts us. He leads us into truth. And I really want us to look at that because we need the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. So we only have an evening service once a month, so I encourage you to come along at 6 o'clock. We will worship God and uh, think more about the Holy Spirit. Amen. We've been doing a series called Relationship Matters, and I think the subtext probably gives it more focus. God's desire for a community of believers, God's desire for how a community of believers should look, should interact with each other. And we've looked at a number of, of things, and I started to think, so why are we doing this? First of all, God is love. We should therefore seek to show love, to show God in the relationships and in our daily lives. God is love. We should show it. John 13, 34 to 35 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Why? Jesus commanded it then. Jesus commands it, so we will do it. It really should be and needs to be as simple as that. You command, Lord, I'll do. But we get too much into different interpretations of Jesus' various commandments, and we seem to seek to water it down. Jesus commands it. A new commandment I give to you that you love. Relationships matter. Relationships are important. It will be a sign to those who do not know Jesus that we are following him. The way we interact with each other is a shining light to others that you're a follower of Jesus. That's why we're looking at this. If you are new, God has put his finger specifically. And I say this because most church websites will talk about being a family church. But God has specifically put his finger upon us for relationship. And he called us to a focus of family, and that is us here. It is over and above a strap line that a church will simply have, and God will expect more of us, because that's a, that, that is what he has required from us. Ephesians 2. In the chapter of Ephesians 2, Paul he, he, he is dealing with, with the Jews and their, their Gentiles. No? Yes. <laughs> the Jews and uh, Gentiles. And he's talking to the uh, to the. Gentiles, as though he says they were aliens. He calls them, you were seen as aliens by the circumcision, the Hebrews, the Jews, and you are seen as uncircumcised, verse 13. But Paul also points out that Christ Jesus is the one that brings us together. Christ Jesus is the one that brings relationship together. Paul also talks about the coming together of two people groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, to create to create for himself, God, one new man out of the two that brings peace. And he says, as such, we are now citizens of God's house. Verse 19 in Ephesians. We are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. We are no longer of this world. 
We now have a different passport. And when we come together, not in this building, but as Christians, therefore God's presence is here, we're in the embassy of heaven. Amen? We're in the embassy of heaven. Therefore, we should conduct ourselves heavenly, fitting for one who holds a passport of heaven. Coming back to this morning, coming back to our relationships with one another. Right at the beginning, some questions to ponder. Does the way we relate to one another reflect kingdom values? What does that mean? I'll let you figure out. Does the way we relate to each other reflect God's heart? Does the love we have for Jesus look like Jesus? Does it look like him? What does our love towards other people look like? Is it kingdom? Or do we let the world creep in? So there we are. That's the backdrop to our text this morning. I've picked the text from Luke and not from Matthew. And um, let's read this together, please. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and for him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. God, just bless the corporate reading of your word. Amen. Love your enemies. Just, just to be really clear now, this is in a personal context. This is, in the, this is in the everyday. These are people that you meet, people that you are with. This is not, if you like, in the governmental context where a government has the responsibility to stay off evil and to respond to that and to protect its citizens. The context of this is in you and I, daily relationships with each other other. Love your enemies. I pick Luke because the context of Luke 6, just quickly, if you look all the way through, Jesus all the way through, he's saying, you think it should be like this? I tell you this is how it is. The disciples eating in the fields on the Sabbath and the Pharisees getting upset. Healing on the Sabbath. Is it lawful for me to do good? or to do evil. Man thinks this is how it should be in this whole chapter. Luke is trying to show his God says, Jesus says, this is how it's supposed to be. He moves into the Beatitudes. 
Blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those, but woe to those. He turns his kingdom upside down, as he often does, and then he moves into this passage of Scripture. He starts to challenge them further. But I say to you, love your enemies. Oh, has this gone off? There you go. Matthew, just to steal slightly, Matthew 5, 43 to 44, you have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Nowhere in Scripture is it written down that you are to hate your enemies. But the Hebrews had taken... um, a Leviticus text that talked about how you were to love God and love God's people and therefore created an additional law that said, therefore, if we were to love God's people this way, if we were to love each other this way, therefore we must have to hate our enemies. It's nowhere in the Bible. It just goes to show how man can so easily add the law. It's called the Talmud, the verbal law. They had hundreds and hundreds of laws that Moses and God did not lay down. It's one of the reasons why Jesus comes back and says, I have come to rightly interpret the law. It wasn't there. You have heard that he said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Never was in God's heart. It was wrong. So the word love is agapeo. Agapeo. I'd have butchered that. Yeah, it means something slightly. It has its root to agape, but it isn't actually the word, and it actually means to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly. Entertain your enemies. Welcome your enemies. Be fond of your enemies. Ouch. This is shockingly simple. Shockingly simple. That's quite often God is. That's why Jesus encourages us to have faith as a child, because children just keep it basic. We just complicate things with, yeah, but. Surely it can't mean that. This is shockingly simple, but difficult to obey. This word love just doesn't talk about being okay with your enemies. It actually talks about reaching out, interacting, seeking them out. There's so much going on I can just stay away from. And just my paths don't need to cross those people who irritate me. Those people who so clearly don't like me. I can just keep away from them. It's not what Jesus teaches. Love. Entertain. Reach out. What, what, what was that we've so often heard? Love is a doing word. <clears throat> you cannot be passive with love. Doing good. Kalios. Kalios. Doing good. What this means is beautifully, finally, ex- excellently well. But I say to you, love your enemies. Do good. Do it beautifully. Do it excellently do it so well what else did it say rightly so that there should be no room for blame i knew you didn't like me you've welcomed me to your house but you've not cleaned my feet you've not kissed my neck you've not given me perfume it says do all of that so there is no room for your enemy to say i knew you didn't really like me i knew this was a ruse do it well, truly, excellently, nobly, commendably, honourably, in honour. I don't know why the two's there. I've just taken it from Strong's. 
to speak well of one, to do good. Love, entertain your enemies, and do it the best possible way you can. Do good. Bless, I'm not even going to try and read that word. Get this then. To celebrate with praises, to invoke blessings, to to consecrate a thing with solemn prayers, to ask God's blessing on a thing. I guess it may be a person. (laughs) Yeah. Bless. Bless. Love, do good, and bless your enemies. Goes on. To spitefully use those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Let's just read it again. But I say to you here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. There's another word in Greek I'm not going to try and read at all. But to those who spitefully use you, that's what that word is, spitefully use you, spitefully use you. What does that mean? It means those who insult you, those who treat you abusively, those who treat you, um, use despitefully, to revile you and to accuse you falsely. This is what Jesus is talking about. You are to bless, you are to do good, and you are to entertain your enemies, people that insult you, treat you abusively, use you despitefully, revile you, and accuse you falsely. Ouch. Nothing more countercultural than trying to work out that in a world that says, just love those that love you. We are now living in a time when actually we can't even speak the gospel. It's another message to those that don't know us now. It's now considered to go up to strangers and speak to them about Jesus as though it's wrong, as though it's something that really is just unpolitically correct. And yet here, God is saying, reach out to those people. Reach out to them. In summary, Jesus' response to people who hate curse and spitefully use you is love through welcoming and entertaining do good in the most excellent way bless through celebration and praises and prayer actually just means pray but it actually means offer prayers for them that there's a difference i can pray lord you need to sort out fred you really do. Let me tell you. And do you know when he smiles? He says, Ben, do you know the Holy Spirit interprets your groanings in what you really mean? You cannot say a bad prayer. <laughs> yeah. The Spirit gets in and says, no, no, no. Let me tell you what you really mean. To offer prayers for them is to, is to actually just, it's that blessing. It's to hold them up. Father, I just pray for Fred. Lord Jesus, you know him. You have seen him in his mother's womb. Father, you have plans for him. You desire good for him. That's what prayer means. So Jesus' response to people who hate us, curse us, and spitefully use us is to welcome them into our homes, entertain them in the most excellent way, bless them through celebration and praises, and offer up prayer to God. Yes, but, is what I want to say. Yeah, but surely... My home? That's dangerous, isn't it? Where are we? It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Jesus goes on. Can you imagine now they've had the Beatitudes, they've had all this stuff, and now they're getting this. Their mouths are wide open. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. 
This isn't about physical attack. Okay, um, in, the, in the AV, it talks about offering the right cheek, which then means that he would have slapped them with the backhand of the left. This was considered to be an insult. This is not about physical abuse and beating up. This is about an insult. It would be more like, it would be more like this. Yeah, it's an insult. You're right, sweetie. Oh, we're going to have words later on. <laughs> that, was, that was brave. That was brave, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now you have to offer me the other cheek. <laughs> and the other one, uh, and from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your church tunic. Under God's law, the outer cloak was something that could not be taken from you. Exodus twenty-two twenty-six. Without incurring a punishment, it was considered something that you would just not take. Remember, the Hebrews would seek to follow God's law. They wouldn't do it. Yet Jesus says, and from him who takes away your cloak, don't withhold it and don't withhold your tunic. This isn't a waistcoat. The tunic would have been the thing that they got on. So actually take that off and I've written the topless. <laughs> Jesus is saying, give it away. And not only, not only the cloak, but your tunic also. Jesus tells his disciples not only to let them take it, but to offer the tunic also. This would have rendered them topless. Jesus keeps going. He doesn't stop there. He ends in this incredible, astonishing teaching by highlighting this fact. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. How many of us are simply just comfortable with loving those that love us? Even perhaps people that we don't know, but we, we kind of think or assume are nice, it's all okay. Jesus says, it's not Christ-like to do that. Look who it, he refers it to sinners do that. He says, you are not being Christ-like when you only love those that love you. You are not being Christ-like when you only do good. Go incredibly out of your way for people that will go incredibly out of the way for you. You are not being Christ-like. It's like the entry. It's like now you go into a coffee shop and you expect Wi-Fi. It's like it's not a unique selling point to put on your shop window free Wi-Fi. It's just expected. This is the entry-level stuff. <clears throat> Jesus takes it further. He says, how, how many of us just seek to do good to those who do good to us? How many of us are even thinking, who can I bless? Who can I bless? Who is there? How can I reach out? How can I go beyond what is comfortable, beyond what is convenient, beyond my circle of people who are my world and reach out to those that maybe are not expecting it, don't know it's coming and actually would never dream of getting it from me because we simply don't get on. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that for you? It puts no credit in the bank. It puts no store, storehouse in heaven at all. Sinners do the same. It's the basic fundamental interaction of human beings that get on. Hello. We go further 
We go further. We go deeper. We go richer when we're followers of Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus has been speaking to his disciples. They probably had their mouths open wide, trying to compute how they even begin to work out, to live out such a teaching. It is as if Jesus is saying, you have walked with me, you have heard me speak of the need to follow me, the cost of following me, you have heard me talk about this love, the blessing that God will give. Did you really think it was just meant for the people that loved you too? Did, did you really think that your interactions with people were just for those that you got along with? To live the standard that I call you, it's bigger. It's bringing your enemies into your innermost circle. I've done some reading on this and there's all sorts of interesting teaching. Some things I just stopped. One talked to about actually you don't need to make them your best friends. It's not filio love, it's agape love. So, okay, but then you look into the word agapeo and it doesn't support that. Welcoming somebody into your home, I think, is the most intimate thing you can do. This is my world and I'm bringing you in. I'm entertaining. It's hard because actually I'd prefer not to. And there's so many other good things that I can be getting along with that I, I can live a pretty good Christian life and not have to think about this. There's so many other things that I can be doing. Just one problem. It's written in red. It's written in red. The whole chapter. You think, that, you think you should operate like this? I'm telling you, you need to operate like this. And then he turns it on its head because it's when you go low, you go so high. Those people we'd rather stay away from, entertain, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray blessing upon them. Pour out your spirit upon them, Lord. In the same passage in Matthew, it says he makes the sun rise and the rains fall on the just and the unjust. That doesn't feel right to me, God, but he does. No partiality. He blesses the unjust, your enemies, just as much as sometimes he blesses you. It doesn't compute, God. It feels uncomfortable. I don't like it. It's written in red. It's written in red. It is not Christ-like to love those who love you only. You are not imitating God if you only do good to those who do good to you. Remember the context of enemies, not good and nice people who, who we just haven't had a chance to be good and nice to. Those people you see who are your enemies. How do we do this? <laughs> I got there this morning, I thought, how do we do this, God? Feeling hugely uncomfortable with some of the things God's scripture says. It would be easier for it not to be there. And even now, we're figuring ways just to not worry about it. The knowledge that we simply cannot do this in our own strength. 
How can we do this? Because this just, this just doesn't compute. The world teaches us to protect ourselves. The world teaches us to guard ourselves. The world teaches us to keep away from people that would persecute you, from people that would have a go from you. And surround those people that tell you good, good things, that tickle your ears, that stroke your ego. And they may stretch you and encourage you in yourself, but it's all about good. Jesus teaches, reach out to those that you see are your enemies. Why? Because relationships matter. Why? Because when we do this, people will know that you are my disciples. When you've got all the justice, all the righteous, all the, all the right thing on your side, and you choose to do something else, people will know it. How can you be okay with this? Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you. We need God's Spirit within us, the Helper, come tonight. The willingness to step into God's grace. I don't like this person. I'd rather tell them what I really think. I've just, I've, I've just kind of been introduced and realised what passive-aggressive is. And it's so easy to do, isn't it? Yeah, I was reading some stuff that came from somewhere. <laughs> and I thought, that's passive-aggressive, isn't it? You just want to get the point across, but you wrapped it in some really nice words to be able to go like that. God, just give me your grace sometimes to keep my mouth shut. Lord, just give me your grace to really be around this person. And do you know what grace is? Do you know what's so great about grace? Is the minute you decide to step into it, God goes, here you go. <laughs> you can do it now. The minute you decide to do something that you couldn't do a second before, God gives you all the grace to do it. doesn't mean you're floating on water. doesn't mean it feels wonderful and great. But he gives you the grace and the strength to love your enemies. Get others around you, us, for prayer and encouragement. Help me. They are getting at me. I go to work and they pull away from me at lunchtime. I go to work and they seek to scupper every little bit I do. They go to work and they laugh at me. Nothing I do is right. They won't invite me out. They isolate me and leave me alone and they pick on me. I'm being bullied. Help me, people. Because I'm struggling with this. Because God's word tells me I'm to love them and I'm struggling. Because they're making my life a living nightmare. Day in, day out at work. Will you help me, home group? Will you come round? Will you pray for me, home group? Because I'm struggling. I'm struggling. How do we do this? Knowing that our identity is in Christ. Knowing that our purpose is in Christ. Knowing that our joy is in Christ. Knowing, oh dear. <laughs> what does that say? Here we are. Knowing that our hope is in Christ. You know what the biblical definition of hope is? <laughs> I say it lots. The eager anticipation of good. Not the fingers crossed, I hope it's heads and not tails. The eager anticipation of good. And when we live and work out of those places in Christ, we can love our enemies. Yesterday morning I was up early and I was praying. I've been, been doing a lot of uh, other reading in a different area and I knew we were going to the trumpet call and I was so looking forward to hearing R.T. 
Kendall, and I was so looking forward to hearing Malcolm Duncan. He's a chap that I've recently become aware of at the World Prayer Center Conference. I really feel there's an anointing on that man at the moment, and the way he spoke was sharp and painful, but challenging. So I'm there Saturday morning, and I'm preparing. I'm saying, Lord, I am always open for you to change, for this, just, this word not to be the right time. But I'm, I'm, I'm researching for this, uh, this sermon on love your enemies. And I come across a quote by Nelson Mandela that was just so good. I thought, this is so good. And of course, where's the first thing I think to do at 5 a.m.? Because I have to tell someone. I thought, I'll tell Facebook. I'll tell Facebook. And I go to Facebook. And don't you love the memories? Yeah, it's now reminding me, it's now reminding me of a reminder. I've got so many memories. It said, this is what you did two years ago, and it was a forward of something I did four years ago. And it said, Ben, four years ago on this day, you posted this. And it was the quote that I'd found that morning as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my f- freedom. I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. And it was confirmation that this morning's word was right. Because four years ago I posted that yesterday. And yesterday morning I was led to it. (laughs) I wanted to post it again. So I just reshared it. How do we live out some of this stuff? We cannot afford for bitterness and hatred to grow in our hearts. It is a cancer. It is a poison. It is a poison. You cannot live out loving your enemies while there is bitterness. It doesn't have to even be to them. It could be to somebody else. It could be to something else. But it will affect the whole of you. As Christians, we cannot afford for even a moment of that seed of bitterness to allow to take root and to be grown. As I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave behind my bitterness and hatred, uh, if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. If there is any sense of bitterness in your heart this morning, come and be set free in the name of Jesus. Don't leave this morning with bitterness in your heart because it will affect and infect every relationship you touch. It goes along with unforgiveness. In a couple of weeks' time, Craig will be talking about the power of forgiveness. But you cannot love as Christ has called you to love with bitterness and hatred in your heart. And you need to sit and be honest because nobody will say they're bitter. I'm just struggling with the way that person treated me. But the minute you open your mouth about it and you start to hear yourself speak, you realise, gosh, I've become bitter. Surely, surely there's a limit. Surely there's somewhere where, where I can just set a boundary. That I, can just, I can just say, I, I've done all I can. I'm now making a change. I've loved as much as I possibly could. I'm now going to stop. And I, if you look at the context of this scripture, this is about the condition of the heart towards someone. 
This is about your heart response. This is about when somebody spitefully uses you, not spitefully using them back. This is about how your heart is to be kept pure and right towards someone. Talks about entering them in, blessing them, praying for them. It doesn't say you can't politely ask them to stop. Or actually, I'm going to come away from this situation right now because actually I'm just, I'm just being abused. But I'm still going to reach out to you. And I could go there and I purposely haven't grown it at all because the problem is, is when we get to stuff like this, we want an out. We want a yeah, but. We want to say, okay, great. And then also part of loving gives me an opportunity to tell them what I think back. Plank in the speck. And after you remove the plank, it does say go back and remove the speck. But we're so quick to go there in today's society. We're so quick to look for a reason why we don't need to do this. And I would put it to you, if you're finding it easy to love your enemies, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong because it's not easy. It's not easy. And yes, I believe that you can pull back. And yes, I think there are right times to guide yourself. And yes, I think it's right to say enough is enough. But the trouble is it'll undo because that's where we live. We live in a society that seeks to protect self and my rights. It is my right to be like that. I am entitled. And Jesus says, who is I? He says, we will be hated. We will be got at. We will be. Yes, of course, there are boundaries. But don't let that be the focus out of this word this morning. Jesus is talking about the heart. The heart then leads on to how we live it out. There are times when it's right to move oneself from a situation, but let's not lower the bar. Let's not lower the bar. Let's raise it. 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 They'll be on her, her website. Relationships matter. God's desire to call out a community of people that live differently. And as I just invite the band to come back on the stage, is that all right? And I'd like just the, the leadership team and those people on the ministry team to be re ready. Maybe this is hard. Maybe actually the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. Let's just keep, keep the attention a moment. And maybe actually he's revealing a bitter seed in your heart that you need to be dealt with and set free from. And it cannot be reliant on anybody else. It cannot be reliant on something else. Today, this morning, you can see that seed gone. Maybe actually this just feels all wrong. It feels like I'm opening myself up to be abused. I'm opening myself up to be used. I've simply talked about what's in Scripture, what's written in red. And just come and actually just be prayed for. I, I don't know how to work this out. Perhaps you'll pray. And we just need to say a simple prayer. God, just give us strength. Just give us wisdom. Just give us your grace. Relationships matter. And this is something where the rubber hits that road. How am I going to be towards those that don't like me? Should we stand as we sing? And I just encourage you, just, I'm not worried who comes out and who doesn't come out, but I cannot, I cannot let us go without an opportunity to just step in to what God wants to do in this area for this church. 
So if you need prayer, the leadership team will be at the front. The ministry team will be at the front. We will sing and then I will hand over to Anne. Thank you.